Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, Lauren speaks with famed diet and fitness coach Carter Good to discuss simple ways that we can achieve our health goals. Carter is the CEO of Leaner for Life, where he helps others lose weight, get in shape, and maintain their health and fitness goals for good. And he refers to his work as diet and fitness minimalism. After losing over 145 pounds, he made it his mission to help others. And today, both Carter and Lauren share their weight loss stories and discuss the simple, healthy lifestyle habits they have each adopted to maintain their goal weights today. Carter believes that food and exercise doesn't need to be complicated, and he is passionate about helping others get the best results possible with the least amount of effort. He stresses the importance of building sustainable diet and fitness practices that work around our lifestyles and adopting an activity-minded mindset to help us easily integrate exercise into our everyday activities. Plus, Carter shares five simple key components to food and exercise that we can manage to help us maintain a healthy body and mind. Whether you are looking to lose weight, maintain your shape, or curious about how to simplify your diet and fitness routines, this conversation is for you. Be inspired by Carter and Lauren's stories and be motivated to build simple, sustainable habits for optimal health. Thanks so much for being with us today, Carter. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I love your stuff. I followed you on Instagram for years, so Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan. Oh my gosh, I appreciate it. So I want to hear your story and how you were able to lose weight and get healthy. Yeah, so I'll give you like the, uh, I kind of have like three different versions of the the story when I tell it, but I'll I'll give sort of the mini condensed uh, version um, so people can get uh, most of the idea. But so for me, I was always sort of a chubbier kid growing up. I grew up in a super small town in Southern Ohio, like almost on the border of West Virginia. So if there's anyone in the Appalachia area, um, they kind of know like super small towns, you know, like Friday night football kind of energy. But Grew up in a very, very small town. Um, and like I said, I was always sort of uh, like a little bit overweight. And most of my extended family like really struggled with their weight. And so I bring up the small town part just because that's usually the culture of that area, right? Is like like health and fitness really isn't like a big part of the, uh, at least the environment I grew up in, right? Um, food was definitely more of like a social thing, right? Like something that you did with like the family and all that. So um, I was always a little bit chubby, but then I, ended up um, gaining almost like over a hundred pounds very, very quickly. Whenever my parents had like went through a divorce, whenever I was younger, I look back and I think like, what could have like caused me to like gain all this weight? And I look back and clearly that had to do a role with it. And for a lot of people, right. There's usually a something that happens where they can pinpoint and say, that was like the turning point whenever I started to struggle with this. Right. So that was it for me. But then pretty quickly thereafter, I was able to lose a lot of that weight. Um, at the time I was 17. Uh, so I, I had the luxury, I suppose, of like being able to put all of my focus onto this. You know, nowadays I work with, you know, moms who have like kids and a, a job and all this. So it makes it a little bit more difficult with time. But I was fortunate that I had all this time to put towards fitness. It was still obviously a large accomplishment. I ended up losing um, over 140 pounds at, at one point. But uh, for me, the way I lost weight was not the right way to do it. And it has a lot. And a lot of it is why I sort of do what I do now, because Although I was able to lose weight on the scale, I was almost in a worse place mentally in terms of like my relationship with food and with exercise. And I had all this, 
you know, fear around like gaining my weight back. And so through years of just kind of pushing through that and educating myself and learning, that's sort of how I've gotten to where I am now, where a lot of what I teach people with, you know, fitness and nutrition and especially nutrition is uh, just like flexibility and like, you know, creating awareness and learning how to like navigate the, their environments and learning how to like, you know, make fitness a part of their life versus being something that they obsess over or feel shame around. I'm in a similar boat with you. Like I grew up chubby and by the time I went into high school, I was almost 200 pounds. And that's when wow. I really yeah. started dieting. Yeah. Like I, I lost like over 60 pounds. And wow. I, same as you, like I was so strict and it mm-hmm. made me so crazy. And then like the biggest thing I had to learn was mindset, like learn how to be balanced because you're so scared to gain the weight back. And yeah. then that's why I, I gravitate so much towards like practical health advice that you offer mm-hmm. these days. Because some people are like, you got to eat super clean and like do hit workouts. And I'm like, yeah. I can't do that anymore. Like I, I need like real life. Like that's why I love following your Instagram because it's so good. And I, I also like how you talk so much about how your mindset changed and how mm-hmm. important mindset is with weight loss. You actually just posted this on your Instagram. And I, I want to read it out. You said, in order to find balance with fitness, you have to spend some time being less balanced and even slightly obsessed with it, which is so true. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely true. And it's and I think that it's like I, I don't think everyone necessarily needs to like experience it like themselves in a sense, like where like you like, I'm, I'm not sure how like you got started with weight loss. If it was all you know, self like done by yourself. And you kind of did all of, all of your educating like I did, like, I've went to definitely two hard extremes. And I do think that people, especially in the beginning, have to like hyper-focus on this because of like, like learning, like educating, like, because they're changing like a lot about what they do, like food, for example, like how many, I forget what the statistic is um, off the top of my head, but we make like nearly like over a hundred food related decisions every single day. Right. Or some, some, some number that would be surprising for everyone listening to here. If they search that, like it's a big number. And so to think now, every time that decision happens, you, you have to like, you're changing that decision in, in a sense, right? You're, you're thinking about it differently. So there's a period of time where all the newness, you kind of do have to be, I guess, a little obsessed with it. And again, like one of the things I try to do with my content is allow people to see what too obsessed looks like, but you know, showing them what that is so they can see it and like the negatives of it. So they don't have to necessarily go there and do that. But I do think it's important though, to like understand that, that balance, right. And understand, um, I guess a better word would even be harmony, right? Like figuring out how does your fitness goals fit into your life goals. And, um, it can even go down to like, sometimes the answer is to like set more realistic expectations for them. Right. Cause I have people who are trying to get as lean as somebody would get as like an athlete, but they also have all of this other stress in their life. That's like, it's going to be really difficult to try to do both of these things at once. Right. So for a lot of people, sometimes it's like being okay with not getting as far as they would like and, and learning to like accept that and be cool with it and kind of live in that too. So. Yeah. What's really interesting. Like I felt like I was so obsessed when I first started losing weight and I would weigh my food and I was crazy about nutrition, but in the mm-hmm. end, like now I can eyeball things yes. so yeah. well because yeah. I weighed my food for so long. Well, I was just going to say just to piggyback off of that really quickly with the whole like weighing your food thing, because that's a big like, you know, topic of contention. Like some people, I think it's very obsessive. Some people think it's necessary. And I think it also also depends entirely on the person who's doing it. However, I will say that part of 
learning how to navigate our current society, right? Of like, like you kind of have two choices to make. You can either be more mindful of how much you're eating of certain things or be more mindful of like exactly what you're eating. At some place, there has to be some control. And I've always leaned towards tracking and even weighing maybe in the beginning of, of doing things only because it teaches you so much about the food you eat every single day. And it's like, you know, you're still going to be going out to restaurants. And so now like you can go out to a restaurant and understand what meals are going to be higher in calories than others. And you can make that decision for yourself. Like, oh, tonight, I don't care. I'm just going to get what I want because I'm enjoying myself tonight. Or you can decide, oh, this is just a meal out. It doesn't have to be a celebration. I'm going to get something that's a little bit more like lower in calories maybe a little healthier, a little bit more filling. Maybe it's not exactly what I want, but I know that this is more in line with my goals. Uh, and that's the choice I'm deciding to make today. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone says calories in calories out, even though there's huge debates in the weight loss industry about that, but it gives you knowledge. Like, why would you not mm -hmm. want to educate yourself on something yeah. it gives you power? Like it also takes, like when you're so frustrated with weight loss, if you're gaining weight, if you count your calories, at least you're like, Oh, I went to a restaurant three times this mm -hmm. week. And then you look up the calories and you're like, Oh, those meals were like 2000 calories. Yeah. It, yeah. You understand the process as opposed to just being in the dark and going about it blindly. And even yeah. when, before I started counting my calories, I always just tried to eat like so clean. And my mm -hmm. friend Chris was like, you got to count your calories. You got to count your calories. He's like, Lauren, you're drinking cold milk. You're using so much olive oil. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but it's healthy. Like, yeah, so it, it was a huge wake up call, like understanding the numbers, but I know it's like tedious and it can mm -hmm. be like obsessive and it's annoying. But if you kind of get through a few months of being able to do it, you can learn a lot. Yeah, I always tell people to like think of it not as like I think people get into it and they start to get like stressed about like I'm like I have to keep doing this but mm -hmm. even whenever we work with clients and we have like a there's a whole timeline of like how can we get you from even if you've never tracked before to eventually like not tracking at all right so I always try to let people think of it as more of like a training it's like a like a short period of time where you are like educating yourself around a specific topic, right? Because it's stuff that doesn't go away. It's not that like when you stop tracking, then you just forget everything that you've learned, right? I think of it more just like you would, you know, if you wanted to learn about topic on like you know, minimalist uh, stuff and developing that, like you're going to educate, you're going to read like the, I know there's like books out there around like minimalism and things and like your guys' podcast, obviously. So like you got to educate yourself on these things, but you won't forget about it. It's the same thing with tracking. It's like, you, you learn through doing it. And then once you learn it, you have it and it's, and it's there, you know, forever. And that's actually really awesome. Cause now you have this whole other, I almost call it like entering the matrix in a sense. Like you're kind of like, you can start, you're like, you're, you can see a layer deeper into like the environments that you're in with food and make the best choices possible and not get caught up in just like not thinking. And then ending up, you know, gaining, you know, 20 to 30 more pounds than you, you want to be. Yeah, no, I love that analogy. That's so well said. Um, so <laughs> Like when it comes to the biggest things that matter, because Kelly and I are all about mm. simplicity and, you yep. know, getting down when, when it comes to getting in shape or losing weight, like what are like the biggest things that actually matter? Yeah. So um, I'm also very much into uh, the minimalism stuff as, as well. So okay. um, I actually like uh, at one point I almost like um, called my uh, company like fitness minimalism or, or uh, at one point. Yeah. Cause I was, cause I'm very much in the same boat of like, you know, with fitness, what's like the basically like the minimal effective dose, right? Like what's like the least amount people can do to get the most results possible is, is always my mission. And I would say for, I would say for weight loss, um, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll change it more to fat loss here, just because there's a little bit of difference between weight loss and fat loss. I'll, I'll, I'll use fat loss as my example. I think there are really 
I would say five major things that need to be you know, focused on or managed. One being obviously calories, right? And I know, like you kind of said a moment ago, there's always this debate on, uh, you know, calories, if they're that important or whatever it is. But what I always say is like calories do matter. Uh, they do count. You don't have to count them. But no matter what the situation is, there's like the law of thermodynamics. And so calories are going to matter at some point, whether you track them or not, they're going to matter. Then next, I would say when it comes to fat loss specifically, um, I would say protein intake and, you know, not, you don't have to be obsessed with protein. You don't have to go out and buy a protein powder now and like try to get a ton of protein. But, um, when you are in a calorie deficit, which is like what you, know, you have to be in to, to lose weight, when you're losing weight, you can lose fat and muscle too. Now you're going to lose mostly fat, but you can start to lose some muscle too, if you're not eating enough protein. Um, and so that's a big point. Uh, the second thing, or, or the, rather the second thing you can do to help with maintaining muscle. And like the third thing in our little five uh, thing list is to engage in some type of resistance training. I think it's really, really important for people to do that exercise in general first is most important. But like, if we're talking about like getting the most out of your exercise, doing some form of resistance training, which for a lot of people, that's going to be lifting weights in the gym, right? But it could also be body weight exercises if they're done properly. That resistance training is going to help to um, not only help you build muscle, but more importantly, maintain muscle while you are losing weight. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing I would say is a focus on whole food nutrition, but not an obsession on it. Um, I always say the 80-20 rule and people always think, like, well, how much is 80%? Is this, does this count as 80%? And does this count as 20%? I say, don't think about it. It's not like a perfect mathematical equation. It's more of just a mindset to be in, right? That okay. the majority of the time you are trying to make choices that are, are good for you, that you know would be good. And people know what that is, right? People know like fruits, vegetables, like, you know, like lean meats, like nuts. People know what those things are, right? And then the fifth thing I would say is sleep as best as you can get it. Seven, eight, nine hours, obviously, it would be ideal for most people. But I think especially when you are trying to lose weight or you have a fitness goal, sleep is not only important for like, you know, energy, um, but also for like recovery and like proper hormone balance and things. And so really prioritizing that while your body's already under stress from being in a calorie deficit, right? A little bit of a stress, like making sure you're dialing in sleep is really, really important. With resistance training, like does Pilates and stuff count like that? Yeah, it definitely does. It, it definitely plays a role. Now there are like, um, this is how I always like to explain like exercise to clients because I never want anyone to feel like what they're doing isn't the right thing to do because there's no wrong thing to do, right? I'm just really big on education around like what stuff is going to be best for certain goals, right? And so when it comes to like resistance training and strength training, really the best way to go about doing it for most people is going to be more like going to like a gym setting and like lifting weights and reps and with the mission of like getting stronger over time because you can kind of you can calculate it more you can like be more intentional about when you go to the gym you know i need to do this many more reps however in saying that I would rather somebody do Pilates and love it than do strength training and hate it, right? Because they're going to put more effort into the Pilates. If anything, when I have clients who come to me who really, like I have clients who love doing, have loved doing Orange Theory, right? Which is like this, um, yeah, like a kind of like a resistance training, but mostly like cardio circuit kind of class. And so what we'll do is we'll, you know, 
set expectations, like what are the goals or is what we're doing optimal for the goals. And usually my mission is how can we like maybe find a hybrid approach between going to orange theory and doing more resistance training. But to answer your question though, I would say Pilates definitely falls in line with, you know, creating some resistance. I wouldn't say it's going to be as optimal as like strength training or strength training routine would be, but it's still going to though um, have an impact, like a positive impact. And if you enjoy doing it, then ultimately that's kind of what matters. Right. Yeah. And no, it's not everybody's I, goal to maximize like, and that's the other thing too, is like, it's not everyone's goal to maximize muscle build, building, right? Like some people don't, that, that's not necessarily the goal. So if that's not the ultimate goal, then like Pilates would even be a, a, a better choice, right? If it's something you enjoy doing. Yeah. I'm cause I'm like, oh, I should lift weights and like do hit training and mm -hmm. I'll do it like once or twice. And then I won't do it again. I'm like, okay, well it's either Pilates like, yeah. consistently or weight training, like <laughs> super inconsistently. So no, yeah. that's a, a great point. Um, you also talk so much about this, which I, th I think is so important. What's your thought on accepting yourself while still wanting to improve yourself? Yeah. So um, I think, and kind of like that question is rooted in, and this kind of goes back into like, you know, diet culture. And there's definitely like a lot of negativity around like, you know, dieting and choosing to make these changes. Cause the truth is for a lot of people, um, when they get started with making these changes, it comes from, from like a, a kind of a negative place, right? It's very rare for me to have somebody come to me and they're like, they're like in this great mindset about their, but they're just like, you know what? I'm doing great in all these other areas. I'm just going to start doing this too. Cause like it, most of the time there something's happening, right? Like they're, this is like adding stress to their life. And so inevitably this is something that's going to come with like a little bit of negative attachment to it because people are trying to fix something that they don't like on themselves. And that's the problem though, is I think that some people think that like trying to fix a part of yourself means that you don't love yourself. Right. Like, or that it's, and like, to be honest with you, I'm not sure like why that narrative has gotten pushed so far. Cause it's, I mean, there's, it's definitely there, right. There are definitely people who are, who get into this because they're unhappy, like with themselves in some ways. And they think that this is going to fix all their problems, which, you know, spoiler alert, it's, it's not going to. Right. But I feel like a lot of people who, who come to me and who ask me for help, like are in a place where like, yeah, they're unhappy. They're un unsatisfied with where they're at, but they're not like unhappy with themselves as a person, like, you know? And so I just think it's something that is when you choose to like make these changes, right. I think that ultimately they can only be positive changes. And I think that really how you go about doing it is really what's going to like determine, like, if you're doing, doing it from a place of like self-love or from like a place of like punishment. And that's where like, I, you see a lot of this mainstream stuff around all these like crazy, like juice fasting things or, or whatever, like anytime you are like sacrificing sustainability for the short term, I think that's coming from more of a place of negativity or more of a place of like an unhealthy place mentally. Right. Because okay. even though I help people lose weight, really what I'm going to do is help people learn how to become the person who's at a healthier body weight that's already in them. Right. And start to develop those habits. And so I think it's always in the application the where you're going to figure out if you're, if it's coming from a place of like self-love or, or not. And so that's why everything that we do is always based around doing this because you care about yourself, not because you need to change yourself for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of people put that they're like, Oh, once I get to my goal weight, like I'll be happy and I'll love mm -hmm. myself and my life will be perfect and everything will be great. And then you get there and mm -hmm. the house is a mess and you have to pay your hydro bill. Like it, it's yeah. just not, yeah. That all the other, so I, I felt like actually when I 
lost the weight. I was like, oh my God, there's all these other problems in life because people sometimes use weight like as their safety yeah. net that think is wrong with life. Yep. But definitely like accepting yourself, being happy with yourself is going to help you reach your goal because you'll want to do it for yourself and you'll want to maintain it. I find if you're like, yeah, coming from that place of, oh, I have to sacrifice to like do this, then you kind of end up on, on that yo-yo diet. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that's and that's where like, there's like a there's a pivotal moment, like in everybody's uh, fitness journey, where they have this realization that like, oh, I'm gonna have to like do this forever. You know, there's like that, like, they almost know it, but they almost don't want to believe it in the beginning. um, Because they're because the change is hard and they can't imagine making all these changes forever. But like through repetition and consistency, you reach a point where like, oh, I'm going to need to keep doing this. And oftentimes that's like the aha moment for people to where then they start to trust the process and start to like not go to these extremes because then they start to think like, oh, wait a minute, I got to figure out how do I actually make this a part of my life now? Because I don't want to lose this because like I feel so much better. I feel better about how I look. I feel better about how I feel. I feel better about how I'm presenting, like all these things, right? And so like then that's when they start to like really believe in like adopting these more sustainable habits. Yeah, it's super hard at the beginning. I understand that people are like, how am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. But the irony is that when you're in a caloric deficit, once you reach your goal weight, you get more calories, like you will be able to maintain your weight. So it does get easier. Well, people don't realize like the body wants to stay at homeostasis. And so that's why for a lot of people, it's so hard to lose weight because your body kind of finds like a, I mean, people talk about set points, which is a whole other like topic of like, some people think that like, if I at a certain weight, like I can't leave this weight or my body wants to stay at this weight, which there is some evidence to that. But what really matters is like people will find a settling point and like it feels hard to like gain or lose weight even from there. Right. And it's because your body learns to adapt and it wants homeostasis and wants to stay where it's at. So I always tell people the same thing. Like once you get to your goal weight, you will be surprised about how much more you'll be able to like eat Um, because a calorie deficit should be a very short term thing. It's a very like, you know, it should not be something that like people stay in year after year, right? If they actually were in a deficit, they they would with their way to nothing. And so usually what it is, is like two weeks calorie deficit, two weeks, like kind of binging two weeks because they're going so extreme. But, but you're, you're exactly right. Like once you reach a healthy body weight, you can go back to eating a lot more and stuff. It's, it's easy to accidentally eat a little bit too much. Right. But it's like, but, but if you develop those habits and things like you're, you're absolutely right. Like once you reach that point, like if you are still staying on top of it and being mindful, like you can, you'll be surprised at how well your body can like maintain a a weight. Yeah. And once you've lost the weight, it's going to take less energy to maintain that body. Exactly. So these are things people, they don't think about. Yeah. One thing you talk about too is the goal shouldn't always be to lose weight. The goal should be the process. So why Mm -hmm. shouldn't like we be focused on how long it takes, but be more focused on other things like our habits and. Yeah. Well, so I think it it goes back to the fact that, I mean, here's how I always present the people. I always said, Hey, I'll give you two outcomes, like two scenarios, like two outcomes that you could have. Let's say this person wants to lose 50 pounds, right? You can either lose 50 pounds but not be satisfied with how you look and how you feel, or you can not know how much weight that you lost, but you love the way you look and you like love the way that you feel like, which of those outcomes do you want? Right. And obviously 
outside of like maybe some like snarky comments, they're going to choose the one that's like, they don't know how much weight they lost. Right. And I think p- people attach to, to the scale because it's something that's measurable and it's something that's immediately gratifying that you can see. And the reality is it is, it does point you in the right direction, but I tell people weight loss shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be, so like the goal shouldn't be losing 50 pounds. The goal should be becoming the person who can be 50 pounds lighter at a healthier body weight and feel confident in maintaining that and feeling good about themselves, right? Losing the 50 pound weight loss is just a side effect of those changes. And it's more of a marker than anything else. And the reason too, I think it's weight loss shouldn't be the goal is because if it becomes the only goal, inevitably your weight is very volatile in terms of the fact that it's going to, you know, people always talk about weight spikes and all these things. That's because like, you have to think like, if you go, if you weigh yourself and then you go into the kitchen and drink a bottle, a 16 ounce bottle of water, and then go on the scale, you gained a pound. Right. So there's so much influencing your day to day, especially like for, for, for women, like, if, like with cycles and things like depending on what phase you're in of your cycle, you are going to, some women hold a lot. I have some women who like will gain like eight pounds, like during certain periods of their phase, right. They're not gaining eight pounds of body fat. They're just holding more water right and then losing water so if you you, if you have like your weight being your goal you're going to constantly get frustrated because you're going to think that you put all this hard work in and then you weighed in on like you know the first day of like your your phase where you hold more water and like now your mind's thinking i gained all this weight when that's not what's actually going on so i always say that weight is a tool just like measurements progress photos these are all tools that help us they know that we're going in the right direction, but they're never the goal. Um, because you know, you can't ever predict like how quickly the scale is going to go down or even predict like where you're going to feel your best at. And so the goal should always be that like dream outcome of like the person who you want to, you know, become. No, I love that. That's great advice. I had to learn so much about the scale through this. Me too. (laughs) You can be perfect on your diet for like two weeks and step on the scale and have ganged weight. And then there's times where you can be like eating garbage, not working out and lose weight. Well, I was going to just add a quick tip though for the scale, um, for anyone listening who maybe is like trying to like lose weight and is maybe frustrated with the scale. The way that I always recommend using it is t- two ways. One, don't use the scale. That's one, that's one option, but also I'm a realist and I'm like, I don't want to be the, the fitness coach who says, Oh, don't use the scale. It's bad because I know people are still going to use the scale. So if you are going to use the scale, make sure you use it the right way. And the way that you want to use it is basically a data collection tool. and Instead of like weighing in, I recommend instead of weighing in like once a week or once every two weeks, I actually recommend weighing in every single day and using what I call the fab method, which is like first thing in the morning after using the restroom and before eating or drinking anything. So the same time, same clothing. And don't think of it as the, the number that you see means is meaningless every on a day-to-day basis. It's literally meaningless. What you're going to, all you're doing when you weigh daily is just to collect data. I even have clients who have like those smart scales where they don't even look at the number. They just let it, they just let it go and it, their phone collects the data and they look at it later. That helps for a lot of people. But what you're looking for is just all this data because then you can start to use those numbers to look at weekly averages. And for for women, I actually use monthly averages based on where they're at in their cycle because that's going to be a better representation. So where were you at month one compared to month two at this stage? And the, the more numbers you can get and the more average you can do, that's going to give you a more realistic look at actual fat loss on the scale versus just random weight loss. So just a little tip there or piece of advice for anyone who is using the scale who maybe gets frustrated with it. If you're going to use it, I would use it as like a data collection tool in that way and get all the data points that you can look at averages. Yeah, of course. I definitely learned to do a month to month average because mm-hmm. like with your cycle, the water weight yep. that can fluctuate. I mean, I would go for a couple of drinks, wake up and weigh less. I'm like, oh, 
Yeah. That must mean I should do I should do that. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> strategy doesn't work long. <laughs> you definitely have to learn. Um coming back to like minimalism and simplifying everything, mm-hmm. there is so much noise in the weight loss and nutrition industry. I love following it just because it was something I struggled with as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just am so interested in it. But there's so much information about like what foods feed and what foods not feed and what's healthy and you know, eat gluten, don't eat gluten, eat dairy, don't eat dairy, soy's bad for you, sugar's bad for you. How do you help your clients navigate that? And why do you think we're so crazy about this and superfoods and every month it's new? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think first off, it's just like people, like human beings in general, we like to think like in black and white, right? Like we like to have like exact answers to things. And so, and, and there's also obviously like marketing that goes into a lot of these things as well, because like, you know, eating all these superfoods, also you can buy my superfood cookbook, right? There's like, there's always like, I think like marketing in general, like will always, especially with nutrition and health, like lead people to go to these extremes. But I think when it comes to like health and fitness, nutrition and with exercise, what matters most is you as an individual. And so with clients, I start out by just saying, first off, like, let's, let's look at your body. Like, what are things like, cause I have clients who like, don't feel great having dairy. Right. And so for them, it makes sense for them not to include dairy, right? Because they don't feel good when they have it. Right. Or they, they're about to get upset stomachs or whatever it is. There are going to be some people who want to put more effort into like eating these superfoods and things, right? Because for them, it's like a more important goal. But I always say that there, there is no black and white with nutrition and like nothing is good or bad. Um, the way I like to think of foods is that there are more nutritious foods. There are less nutritious foods. There are foods that are more in line with your goals and there are foods that are less in line with your goals. And it's always a spectrum. And when you think that way, then you can make decisions on like, well, the goal should be eating more nutritious foods, you know, most of the time. And trying to like not have as many less nutritious foods or only including those in like in moderation, right? But not thinking of them as bad, right? Because, you know, the goal of every meal isn't to maximize your health. Sometimes the goal of a meal is to and, and create a memory with your family, right? Or, um, or with your, you know, spouse or whatever it is. And so what I tell people is that like a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that they're hearing about, like, you know, the, the green bombs. And I think is one of the things and like these uh, like superfoods and all this is that it's like the 5% of stuff that they need to be really worried about. And like, even then it's always a changing landscape. And so the more you can just get back to focusing on what ultimately matters, which is like making sure that you're, you know, controlling your calories, you don't have to always be counting them, but like you are kind of aware, right. Of your intake, you are trying to eat a wide variety of whole foods when you can, you're exercising regularly, right? You make sure you're getting enough protein in, you're taking care of your body with sleep. Like if you're just focused on those things alone, all the other stuff is like not going to make that much of a difference. You know, you're already going to be way healthier than you were from before. And that the average person is just simply by, you know, choosing to eat some fruits and vegetables here and there, controlling your calorie intake in some way, being consistent with that. You're already going to be doing 95% of what you really need to be doing to be healthy. And so that, I think that really helps clients de-stress and like stop worrying about all this information because maybe there is a benefit to some of these things, but like maybe, maybe not. What matters is like, are these core things? If you can do these, you're going to be way healthier than you would have been otherwise. Yeah. To stress about the like minor yeah. details. That Probably causes to- less health and distress. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course. Um, Cause your mental health is so important too. Yeah. 
Okay. I want to talk about routine because this is so important too. So what are key things that really make a health routine? How can we keep it sustainable, enjoy it? And the people who have lost weight and have been able to maintain it that you've worked with, obviously yourself as well, what's in that routine? Well, I think first off, we can both agree that like routine is very much essential, right? For whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. For me, I think that what's really important for folks who are, um, and let's say maybe people who have like, um, I mean, it's going to be the same for people who lose weight or maintain it, but let's say for people who are like worried about like gaining back weight or something or worried about being able to maintain the results. I think there's a few main things. I think one thing is finding, um, like spending some time each week, figuring out like when you can get to the gym and what time is going to happen. So you put it in your calendar. So it's there. So then everything has to work around it. Cause it's real. I mean, even for me, I actually just came off of like a lot of travel recently and like, I have like missed more workouts. Uh, I had before this month started more, more workouts than I had since I like started my fitness journey back at 17 years old. And it's just because I thought like, oh, well, I'm a fitness coach and I'm disciplined. I'll get it done. No, I stopped. I stopped like thinking about when my workouts were and I stopped doing them because other things got filled. Oh, I'm doing a podcast. That was whenever I was going to go do a workout, which, you know what I'm saying? Like, so you have to, what gets like planned, it gets prioritized is what people say. So definitely planning workouts ahead of time. I also think having a time of the week, whenever you make decisions on like what you'll be eating, at least for your first meal or two of the day and then planning around that. So for me, it's normally once a week on like a weekend, I'll just I'll, I literally sometimes it's just thinking about it and thinking, Hey, that day I'm going to order Chipotle. Like sometimes it's ordering out too, but just like thinking again, like, like planning ahead a little bit so that you can just fall into that routine of doing it. And then I also think as far as for people who want to maintain a, an important part of their routine needs to be regular check-ins, I think with uh, just like, like how they're feeling. And no, I'm not saying do not at, like you don't have to be my like analyzing every single like number that you see on the scale or like image or body you know picture or whatever. But I do think it's important to keep up with some type of like monitoring of, of like how you're feeling and things like that. Um, just because again, it's easy for life to get very like stressful and, and caught up in things. And it's like easy to accidentally, you know, gain, you know, 10 to 20 pounds, like if life gets busy. So I always for myself, at least have like a once a month check-in where I'll just like, you know, wake up in the morning, like see where my weight is. Oh, it's kind of within the range I need to be in. Right. And all that and stuff. And that'll kind of dictate how I'm going to be, you know, going the next month. Maybe there've been times too, where I've like gained eight or nine pounds. Like I noticed like, Oh wow. Like the scale went up over the last two months. And so I just made super small changes. Like, Hey, maybe I'll just like cut out the, like that, the, the treat that I'm having at night instead of having it every night, I'll have it every other night. Right. Small changes like this, um, that aren't obsessive. They're not like you know, stressing me out. It's just like staying aware. So I think those are really the three biggest things when it comes to fitness and routine is like realizing that like most people don't find fitness to be this fun thing that they love doing. Right. It's more just something that they do because they, they know they need to do it because like doing it makes them feel so much better. So when it becomes a part of making that habitual in your life, I think it's always and like, or rather making it like a part of your routine. It comes from planning ahead and physically putting those things into your routine as reminders. Um, Cause it's really easy to slip back on those things. Cause they're not like, you know, always the most enjoyable. Yeah, no, that's such great advice. And I love that you said that you're like, Oh yeah. Like I gained eight or nine pounds. I think a lot of people look at people like you with a six pack or an influencer mm-hmm. as a company that they're just in shape and they're in shape indefinitely. Like, yeah. Or when people reach their goal, it's like, yeah, you might gain weight sometimes and it's fine. You yeah. just get back and, and start doing it. 
Um, no routine's so important. That's why I well, I stream. It's called a it's called ballet beautiful. It's like a ballet workout. Okay. And I can do it literally when I'm traveling, when I'm busy with work and I always mm. wake up, I have my coffee, I do it and then I get ready and I don't have to think about it. So it's like so ingrained in my routine. Yeah. And even like grocery shopping, like making sure you just have some meals in your fridge so you can come home from work when you're tired or like mm -hmm. take for lunch. Like it, it's so important just to like have that there. And well, I was going to say too, with that, um, something else I like recommend for people to do uh, is we call them staple meals yeah. um, with clients. And like, like, they're just like three to five meals that like, A, you enjoy, B, help you like hit your hit your targets or just like you know are in line with what your goals are right and so i always tell people most of the time you have a handle on like what you're going to be eating for the meals leading up to dinner and for a lot of people they stress out because like dinner can sometimes be it, it can change plans can change last minute or like your family you're cooking for your family and so like they want something different that night and so I'm really big on making sure, like having people do everything they can to create a lot of consistency with their earlier meals, because like, you don't really, you're not going to remember what you had for lunch, right? Like that's whenever I tell people like, find those meals that you enjoy, you just stick with. And so for me, they're literally like three to five meals I will cycle through just for lunches every single day. And I know, and like, sometimes, like I said, sometimes it's Chipotle, right? But sometimes it's like groceries as well. So it doesn't always have to be like, you have to cook a meal and bring it to work. Like maybe for you, it's easier to order from Chipotle, right? You can do that. That's fine. Or whatever you want to order from. Uh, but I think it really helps to have those consistent, those meals that are those staple meals that are really consistent because then when you do have plans change on the weekend or something changes, like you, you know, that most of the time you're in that routine and it's really easy to fall back into it versus like letting that one mess messed up dinner lead into like, you know, the next day now I have no plan for the next day because I got so stressed about like the dinner plans changing last night, you know, I'm actually like, so I have this, um, there's this company that like, I guess kind of like sponsors me or something, I guess, but they're like a meal prep company. Um, but they're actually pretty convenient. They're like these meals. And, uh, I get like, there's actually like three of their meals that I really like. And that those have just been my lunches for like the past like couple of months. Um, and it's just like a protein, like, a like the one I like is just like chicken, literally chicken rice and, and, and broccoli, which is like, sounds like the standard typical, you know, bodybuilding fitness meal, but it's actually good. Cause it's like, it's pretty tasty, but like, uh, those meals like are, are, are fantastic for me because like, I just throw them in there and do it. But before that I would often like make, like I would, I would always have like, you know, ready to go some type of like, you know, protein, like side and, and veggies. And I would just like put them together and just like, you know, heat it up and, and go, uh, it wasn't the tastiest meal, but it's like also like, doesn't need to be right. That the goal of that meal is not to be this amazing flavor bomb. It's to be something that's like, healthy. That's going to help me feel full. It's going to like carry me through the day. Um, and then maybe I could have a little bit more flexibility with dinner later on. I feel like most people, that's kind of how their schedule is. So the more routine and disciplined it can be earlier in the day, it gives them more flexibility to like have flexibility, I guess, rather later in the day. Um, what, what's the biggest things your clients struggle with? Do you find like, is it like consistency or routine or exercise or well, I would say anyone who's struggling, they're struggling with consistency, right? That's the major, that's, that, that's it right now, how the ways in which they're struggling to stay consistent can vary, right? For some people, it's going to be more exercise for some people. It's going to be more nutrition. I find that most people it is nutrition just because exercise is like an additive habit. Like you're either doing it or you're not doing it. 
nutrition is a change of habit, right? So you have to, you, you're eating no matter what, now you have to always think about. So for a lot of people, nutrition can be the, the harder one. Um, but believe me or not, believe it or not, like I would say that like what most people struggle with more is not the eating off track part. It's the, the, the reaction to it. And then allowing that to keep them off track. Um, I'm sure you guys are a fan of atomic habits, right? Yeah. So he, um, I don't know why I'm drawing up James clear. Yeah. He, so like the author, like he, I think he had something and he's actually said this, it's actually funny. We, we used to live in the same town in Columbus, Ohio. I'm not sure if he's still there, but, um, but yeah, he, uh, but like, I, I've like met him before and stuff, but I remember reading his blog well before he like became like a New York times bestseller with that book. But one of the things that he used to say, and he kind of has continued to say is this idea of never miss twice, which I love. It's like one of my favorite things. I always like a mantra I give to all my clients, but I think that that fundamentally is like, at the, the center of like 90% of my clients struggle is this idea that if I go off track once I have made this mistake that is irreversible. And so now I'm not motivated to get back on track. And like, if more people would just allow one mistake to happen and then see it for what it is like, oops, I went off track the next meal. I'm going to be back on track. I'm going to make sure I get my next workout in it would fix all of the problems with consistency, right? Because it would start to make them trust themselves more that they can go off track and get back on track. Because a lot of time that's the issue too. It's like people think once they lose momentum, once they make one mistake, now they're like, oh, well, I know I can't trust myself to get back on track. It's just that, that kind of that disbelief in themselves. And so I would say that's where what most people struggle with is getting back on track. And a lot of times what I do is helping them like, be kind to themselves to get them in this headspace of realizing if you can just get back on track in these moments, like it won't make it any difference. Like it won't even be that big of a deal long-term. Yeah, that's huge. I think so many people struggle with that. I struggled with that so much when I first started. I remember when I was in undergrad, my psychology professor said they did an experiment. They took six people, three of them were on a diet and three of them weren't. And they gave them yeah. all milkshakes and then they gave them cookies after. And the people who were on the diet ate more cookies because they're yeah. like, oh, I already had the milkshake. So, yep. Well, that's, I think, well, I mean, and you could probably, I mean, I'm sure this can tie into like minimalism in a sense too, right? Or it's really hard to get to a place mentally where like you can be okay with like enough. Yeah. Right. And feel and feel calmness in that. And I think with fitness, like the reason why people struggle to get back on track is because they they really they either want to be on it 100 percent or off 100 percent. Right. And because like that, like in between for them is like kind of scary because it's like they you know it's I don't know why it is for so many people. It's just like so many people operate well in extremes or they they, they are try to because it's you know hard to like have this balance and things. But but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely like a reoccurring thing, but it's a necessary step, right? Once you can like find that, you know, harmony balance, whatever you want to call it, it's what allows you to like, then start to like become a person who just makes fitness a part of their life. Right. And finds that like routine with it and, and, and can benefit from it long-term. But it's also to be said, like, that's why enjoying your process and your routine is so important. Like what you put yeah. in terms of like practicality and, um, you know, including food that you like, if, if you're eating like skinless chicken breasts and steamed vegetables yeah. and you go out and you're eating like pizza, of course it's going to taste 10 times better. But if you're yeah. like, okay, well, I'm going to wake up and get back on my plan, which I like anyways, I like the mm -hmm. breakfast or lunches or whatever I make. It, it exactly. doesn't so like, like black and white between the two. It's like, oh, I, I got to get super strict or like do absolutely nothing. So it, it is. Yeah hard finding that balance. Um, I want to talk about meat too, because this is really interesting. Yeah. 
So NEAT stands for non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, if you can talk a little bit about it and how much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, and just as like a quick, quick primer for people listening, whenever you think about like the calories you burn every single day, you can call this your metabolism, right? Most people are going to use that term. So like your metabolic rate, most of the calories you burn every single day, like 60%, 65% is your BMR, which is basically your basal metabolic rate, which is also just the calories you burn at complete rest, like not walking, not moving around, like just you were like, if you were like in a coma, right? Like that's how many calories your body would burn every single day. That's already well over 50% of the calories you burn every single day, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, and then after that, you have the thermic effect of food, which is just the calories you burn digesting food that can make up five to 10%, depending on your diet. And then like you said, there's planned exercise, um, which is like going to the gym, taking a Pilates class, uh, choosing to go on a walk, all these things. Really, that only makes up five to 10% of the calories you burn. And then the other 20, and for some people, a lot more, is the stuff called non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is like all of the activity that's not planned, even so much as like doing this podcast, like me tapping my foot, like that's non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Like a lot, it's all the unconscious, I guess, decisions that you're, that you're making with activity every single day. And what's crazy is there's a lot of theory that this is like one of the main reasons why some people really struggle with gaining weight versus others, because some people, their bodies, they will eat, 2000 extra calories one day and their body will adjust and like have them burn more calories that day. Some people's bodies, they'll eat more and they'll have less need. It's pretty crazy. Like, so a lot of people think that that is like the genetic component of like being able to gain and lose weight. It's like how your body does this. And so, but no, I, I love you that you brought this up because I think that a lot of people think that like just the more exercise that they do, the more calories that they burn in the gym, the faster they'll lose weight. And for sure, you'll, you'll lose more weight. But what people don't realize is it's like your body's smart. It self-regulates and you may go to the gym and burn a ton of calories, but you'll burn fewer calories later in the day because your body's like, you know, it, it's trying to find that homeostasis, which is why I think it's really important to, you know, use exercise like intelligently. And like do just enough to get results and not push yourself too far. And then put yourself in situations where you may have create more neat on accident, right? So for me, that might mean, and it sounds like silly, but these things can really add up. Like when you go to the grocery store, like just park a little bit farther away. Like just like, don't worry about getting right to the front, right? Or maybe just choosing to take the stairs in certain situations. Like just like doing like, whenever I go to airports, I never take like, if I'm like, I always hit Atlanta because I fly like Delta a lot and you're always in their hub. Instead of taking the tram, I'll literally walk to my next gate if I have time, right? Down below, like, so things like that. But, um, but I guess to go back to what you were asking, you know, neat is it's super interesting. We're still learning a lot about it and there's not a ton that you can do for a lot of the, un this, like the unconscious, the stuff that's going on with neat. But one thing you can do is sort of put yourself in a more favorable situation to more more calories like that. So it might mean like having a standing desk that you can go up and down, you know, whatever it is, like, like walking to get your lunch for work. Um, those things really do add up and make a difference. Yeah, I live in Toronto and yeah. it's like a walking city. Like if you see friends, you meet up with people for drinks. And so, and then I'll, my, I grew up a couple hours outside the city. And then when I go see my parents, I, I maybe get a thousand steps if that, but in yeah. Toronto, I'm getting like easily eight to 10,000 steps every day without even thinking about it because it's yeah. just 
your lifestyle here. Well, it's something you have to like really be aware of too. And this is where like when I'm working with a client one-on-one, I know their exact situation. Like some people are just like the reality is like their their situation might require them to do more planned exercise because they can't do as much. Not, but I always tell people like just because they may not have the luxury of like being able to walk around and do these things. So they might have to be either okay with slower progress or be intentional about like what I think works really well for people is like if I have them instead of programming them like a 45 minute lifting workout, I will program a 30 minute one and have them do walking before and after, right? To cut it up and stuff. So like starting to do little small tricks like that to to get their daily activity up. But um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it is, it's like a, it is a, makes a big difference. Uh, and it's definitely something that you want to like set your life up around to try as much as possible to be more activity minded. And the two of the easiest things I implemented, um, when I brush my teeth, I walk. And then, um, when I talk on the phone, cause I saw, yes. Toronto, so when I'm talking to clients, I'll just pace and yep. it, it makes such a difference. So, and those are two things, like some people are like wandering around their kitchen at night, trying to get in their last few steps, but I feel more normal if I just, I'm like, if I have to take a call, I'll like walk around while I'm brushing my teeth. So little things, these like make up huge difference after like six months or a year. It's, it's crazy. And, and people, I think sometimes think like, it sounds silly to like, why would I be walking around while I'm on the phone or doing all these small things? But I'm also like, you know, it's, it's also kind of silly that like we live in situations where like I could go out right now and eat like five days worth of calories and one meal. Like if I wanted to, right. Go over the Terry Black's barbecue. It's like, we already kind of live in an artificial like world, like in a sense, like we're like, we're like, we beat evolution in a sense. Like there's, we can over, we don't need to move. Like someone can door dash me everything I've ever wanted right now. So I'm like, I always combat that a little bit with saying, well, there's a lot of things that like we do in our day-to-day lives that like are kind of silly, but like we also have these biological bodies that need to be like moving and doing these things. And so like these small changes, although it's like silly to walk around and be on the phone, like, is it, is it really that silly? I don't know. Like it's, you know, you have to find time to like do these things and to to move your body and, you know, however you can do it based on your lifestyle, it's, it's all going to benefit you, you know? Yeah. And I find if I'm sitting around all day, it affects my energy. Like I have so much less Mm -hmm. energy. Um, I could talk to this about <laughs> all day for you. Um, and I, I love that we like grew up chubby and have that. Yeah. <laughs> but just to end this, if, if people like wanted to get started today, they're like, you know what? Like, I, I want to make a change. I want to get in shape. I, I want to lose weight. I want to eat healthier. Like what's something they could do today to just implement in their life and make small changes to get to their goal? I would say there are two things I would, I would have them do and, and whether or not I'll, I'll let them decide which one of these they want to do. They can do both or just choose one or the other. One would be to incorporate some type of walking into your day, no matter how small it is, even if it's like, I mean, for most people now, like most areas, like it's getting warmer. So most people should be able to get outside now to like go, go for walks. I know it's harder in the Northern States, but like whatever you can do, to, even if it's five minutes of walking, like a couple of times a day. Um, and like, that's another thing I tell people, you, if you can't take one 30 minute walk, fine. Like what about like a couple 10 minute walks throughout the day? I gotta go. I gotta call my grandma. I'm going to go on, on a 10 minute walk and call, talk to her, right? Whatever it is. So try to incorporate some type of, of slow, steady state cardio. So walking for most people or very gentle jogging, but like walking is going to be the easiest thing to get started with just into your day to get into the habit of just being in a more active person on a day-to-day basis. The second thing is I would try like start making the first meal of your day intentional in the sense of like try to make it like a higher protein meal, um, but also like 
try to keep it consistent and try to consistently eat that first meal at the same time every single day. Some people might find it they like to wake up and not eat immediately, maybe push off their meal for a couple hours. Some people will feel better eating immediately. Whatever you already enjoy doing, stick with that, but just be very intentional about what that first meal is and try to like find a few meals that uh, you enjoy that you can cycle through for that meal. Because um, both of those things are just going to start to like train you to like make your health and fitness a priority every single day, even if it's just that small commitment. Um, and if you can do that, if you can get to the place where that's a habit, then it's going to be a lot easier to build in more, build in more, I guess, things later on, if you decide to like track your nutrition or like actually start going to the gym, whatever it is, you're going to have more momentum having, you know, started doing those two things. Start earlier on in the day. Um, so yeah. where can everyone find you? Obviously, if people are listening, if you want to follow Carter on Instagram, it's amazing. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. So wh- wh- where's your website? What's your Instagram, your handle? So Instagram is definitely like the bigger place where a lot of my content is. Um, at Carter Good is my Instagram. Um, if anyone's interested in learning more about like uh, the company, so so Leaner for Life is sort of the, the company I formed like around uh, my, my personal brand. Um, they can go to leanerforlife.com. There's actually several like free resources that we have. Um, the one that I would actually recommend for anyone who is curious about like how we go about helping clients get started with like tracking their nutrition and setting up a nutrition plan. Um, we have a free resource that actually walks you through how to do it for yourself. Um, and it's called the fat loss formula. It's like kind of like what we've used with clients. So if anyone goes to leanerforlife.com slash FLF for fat loss formula, they can like opt in for free. They'll get this PDF and it will like walk them through basically like the core strategies that we use with our clients to help them, you know, build a very flexible plan based around like what they have going on in their life. Amazing. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah. Well, this was so great today, Carter. Thank you so much for being here. You've given so much great advice. And I was so excited to talk to you. I've, like I said, I've followed you for a long time. And yeah, you, you have great content. And you're so down to earth and practical. And you've like mm. been through it. And, and you really know it. I feel like it's like emotional for you. Like you you connect and sympathize with people, which is great. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. This was awesome. And I'm also excited too that I have a new podcast to listen to because I had never heard of your guys' podcast until you reached out. And like, I'm all about minimalism and things like that. And so I was going through your guys' past guest list and I was like, oh, I'm excited to, to be on this podcast because I'm excited to go through and like check out some of the, the interviews you guys have done. Oh, good. Thanks so much. Yeah, Kelly yeah, and I are super passionate about the lifestyle. <laughs> I love it. Okay, thanks so much. Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Thank you for listening. That was Lauren's conversation with popular diet and fitness coach, Carter Good. And if you'd like to learn more about Carter and his work at Leaner for Life, please check out the links in our show notes. And if you enjoyed this health-focused episode, please check out episode 74, where Lauren interviews author Una Duncan about how to build sustainable health and fitness habits, as well as episode 94 titled A Simple Historic Take on Diet and Exercise, where Lauren and author Brian Kozlowski explore time-tested wellness strategies from over two centuries ago. And you can find direct links to each episode in our show notes. So thanks again for listening in, and we will speak with you again in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.